Hello and welcome to Paul Martin's Catholic Podcast. I'm Paul Martin. I used to be a Presbyterian, then Pentecostal lay preacher. After studying the Bible and church history afresh, I converted to Catholicism. When I was a Protestant, I was a deep admirer of Martin Luther, and I was always told the story that Martin Luther started his Reformation or Revolt because the Catholic Church was guilty of selling indulgences to save people's souls. It was a complete and utter lie, as well as a great misunderstanding. Now, what is an indulgence? An indulgence is the removal of the temporal consequences of sins. It's not the removal of condemnation to hell it's rather the removal of punishments or sufferings for sins that people have committed in this life for example if you stole a car off someone it wouldn't be enough to just repent of the deed you'd also need to give the car back to the person you stole it from So indulgences are acts, pious acts, which can remove the consequences of sins you commit. And these indulgences can be praying for the Pope, which means praying for unity in the church and his guidance, going to confession, going to communion, and an act, it can be a pilgrimage, it can be fasting, Not necessarily from food, but maybe fasting from TV or iPhones or something like that. Helping the needy, reading the Bible, giving alms. And giving alms can involve giving money. But it's not like a transaction where you're buying it. It's rather the act of sacrifice of giving that is the pious deed. So that's why people like Martin Luther and others misunderstood and thought that it was selling indulgences. But the question still remains, did the church ever sell indulgences? And the answer is never. The church, in fact, the Catholic Church, has always condemned the sin of simony. Simony is the sin of buying and selling your salvation or spiritual things. And this is mentioned in Acts chapter 8. It's simony is named after Simon uh, Magus, the sorcerer. In Acts chapter 8, verse 9, it talks about a man who, Simon Margis, who was amazed at what the Christians were doing. A certain man named Simon had practised magic in the city. He held the Samaritans spellbound and passed himself off as a very important person. And then verse 18, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, so that anyone upon whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter replied, May you and your money perish for thinking that the free gift of God could be 
bought with money. You have no share or part in this since your heart is not upright in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that you may be forgiven for having such a thought in your heart. I see that you are filled with bitterness and in the grip of sin. Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that none of these things you spoke will happen to me. So he, he had it explained to him that you cannot buy spiritual things with money. Now, nevertheless, indulgences are necessary because they give us discipline. They teach us to sacrifice and it's a form of repentance. In Jonah chapter 3, Jonah declared that judgment was coming on Nineveh unless they repented. And the people of Nineveh repented. They did fasting and they put on sackcloth. And it says that when God saw their acts of repentance, of penance, he changed his mind and did not bring the judgment he'd said he was going to do. Now, did the church ever sell indulgences? The answer is never. But indulgences included acts of sacrifice, and that included giving contributions to the building of St. Peter's Basilica. The Council of Trent condemned the sale of indulgences in session 25 in the decree on indulgences, and the church outlawed the sale of indulgences in 1567. So there were some people who were abusing this or misunderstanding the sale of indulgences, but the Catholic Church itself never approved of the sale of indulgences, and they condemned it outright in 1567. But why should Christians do things like indulgences, such as praying, going to confession, doing communion, reading the Bible, and giving alms? And the answer, quite simply, is because God wants us to grow in our faith. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves and chastises everyone he accepts as a son you must endure your trials as discipline god is treating you as sons for what son is not corrected by his father if you are not corrected as all his sons are then you are not true sons but illegitimate ones besides this when our earthly fathers correct us we respect them how much more should we be subject to the father of our spirits to have life our earthly fathers corrected us for a short time as they saw fit. And serving the Lord does in fact involve some suffering. Paul the Apostle in Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 says, At present I rejoice when I suffer for you, and I complete in my own flesh what is lacking in my sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul was suffering and he was doing it 
for the church. And the scripture tells us that sin leads to punishment from God. It leads to punishment and guilt. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 14 it says God brings every deed to judgment all that is hidden be it good or bad. And punishments are both temporal and eternal. We read about the consequences for Adam and Eve for their sins in Genesis chapter 3 which included more suffering. And we read about this in 2 Samuel chapter 12 verses 7 to 14. Um, it's where Nathan rebuked David for adultery and murder of Uriah the Hittite and for lying with his wife. Nathan said to David, you are the man. It is the Lord God of Israel who speaks. I anointed you king over Israel and saved you from Saul's hands. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives to be your own. I also gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If this had not been enough, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the Lord by doing what displeases him? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife for yourself. Yes, you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now the sword will never be far from your family because you have despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite for yourself. Thus says the Lord, out of your own household I am going to bring calamity on you. I will take your wives from you and give them to your neighbour who shall lie with them in broad daylight. What you did was done secretly, but what I will do will be done before Israel in broad daylight. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan answered him, The Lord has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. However, because you have dared to despise the Lord by doing such a thing, the child that is born to you shall die. Then Nathan went to his house. And so Nathan the prophet said to David, The Lord has forgiven you, you shall not die. But he would still suffer consequences and punishments for the bad things he did. So temporal punishments and consequences can remain even after a sin is forgiven. And furthermore, people are rewarded by God for their good deeds. Mark chapter 9 verse 41 says, If anyone gives you a drink of water because you belong to Christ and bear his name, truly I say to you, he will not go without his reward. And Matthew chapter 6 verses 3 to 6 says, But when you give something to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your gift remains really secret. Your father who sees what is kept secret will reward you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues or on street corners to be seen by everyone. I assure you, they have already been paid in full. When you pray, 
Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is with you in secret, and your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. So you can be rewarded and blessed by uh, prayer and doing good deeds for others. And furthermore, the church has the authority to forgive sins. In John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, Jesus said to the disciples, to the church leaders, those whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and those that uh, you don't forgive are not forgiven. So we must go to the church and get penance to get truly forgiven and reconciled to God. And furthermore, Christians can bless departed souls, as well as people who haven't departed, through acts of charity and offering. Numbers chapter 5 verses 5 to 8 says, The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Tell the people of Israel, if anyone commits a sin against another, and thus is unfaithful to the Lord, that person must confess the sin committed and restore the ill-gotten goods in full adding one-fifth to it. Restitution is to be made to the person who was wronged. And 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 11 to 13 says, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your choice, and you have kept neither my covenant nor my statutes, I commanded you, I will tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do this during your lifetime for the sake of your father David, but I will take it out of the hand of your son, but I will not take the whole kingdom from him. I will reserve one tribe for your son for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen. So the nation of Israel did not suffer the full consequences of God's wrath because of the good deeds that had been committed by David. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 6 says, With goodness and faithfulness you atone for your sin. With fear of the Lord you may turn away from evil. And 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8 says, Above all, let your love for one another be sincere, for love covers a multitude of sins. So doing good deeds and acts of prayer and acts of piety, the scripture tells us, lifts off a lot of the judgment that might otherwise come from God. And they make us closer to the Lord. The Catholic Catechism, in paragraph 1471, says an indulgence is partial or plenary, according as it removes either part or all of the temporal punishment due to sin. The faithful can gain indulgences for themselves or apply them to the dead. And in 2 Maccabees, chapter 12, verses 38 to 46, it reads, Judas reorganised his army and then went to the city of Adullam. Since it was the end of the week, they purified themselves according to custom and celebrated the Sabbath there. On the next day, the companions of Judas went to take away the bodies of the dead. 
it was urgent to do it, and bury them with their relatives in the tombs of their fathers. They found under the tunic of each of the dead men objects consecrated to the idols of Jamnia, which the law forbade the Jews to wear. So it became clear to everyone why these men had died. Everyone blessed the intervention of the Lord, the just judge, who brings to light the most secret deeds. And they prayed to the Lord to completely pardon the sin of their dead companions. The valiant Judas urged his men to shun such sin in the future, for they had just seen with their own eyes what had happened to those who sinned. He took up a collection among his soldiers, which amounted to 2,000 drachmas of silver and sent it to Jerusalem to have a sacrifice for sin offered there. They did all this very well and rightly inspired by their belief in the resurrection of the dead. If they did not believe that their fallen companions would rise again, then it would have been a useless and foolish thing to pray for them. But they firmly believed in the splendid reward for those who died as believers, therefore their concern was holy and in keeping with faith. Thus Judas had this sacrifice offered for the dead, so that the dead might be pardoned for their sins. So scripture tells us that while indulgences themselves do not save us, they release us from temporal punishments. So I hope this has cleared up one of the most greatly misunderstood beliefs of Catholics, that's indulgences. Thank you for listening. God bless.